Good morning everyone, my name's Ben, welcome to Grace Church, welcome to Church at Home. We are continuing our series in these days. And uh, welcome to my front room here. Um, it's pretty much the same as it normally is, apart from <laughs> there's, a, there's a camera facing me at the moment, but the same book, same bookshelf, same unplayed guitar in the background. It's so good to have you here, genuinely. And if you're visiting the website, then a particularly warm welcome to you. Um, I really hope you enjoy the next 30 minutes or so and this message. Today, I'm going to be starting with some pastoral comments um, outlining what we're currently experiencing as a, individually, as a nation, and what this crisis is doing to us personally. I then want to spend the majority of time focusing on healthy rhythms in our lives. And uh, this week we're speaking into how we build a rhythm, a routine, a passion for prayer. And this follows on from Rick's message last week about how to read your Bible and how to dig deep into the scriptures. And on that, uh, we started off the back of that message, uh, live reading the Bible course online, uh, led by Josh Donagani, the first week of which was last Monday, and it's continuing this Monday. So if you weren't part of the first one, you're welcome to join in with part two. More details on our website, so check that out. So we're currently, as a nation, uh, in a state of crisis, and any crisis we experience, it shapes us to our core. It really affects the infrastructure of a person, how we're, how we're wired, how we work. And no crisis is, is that more true than actually the coronavirus crisis. And the reason why a crisis shapes us to our core is because it has five negative effects on us. Firstly, it disrupts our connections with others. The foundations of human flourishing are in a large part based on human connectedness, our interactions with one another. But the crisis affects those usual connections, any crisis does. And so uh, you're not able to pop over to see your friends in a way that you were. Um, I'm not able to uh, visit um, uh, a park with my kids and meet up with another dad and his kids and, and connect in that way. We're not able to have those long, laid-back lunch times in a restaurant. Do you remember those? Those restaurants. Flipping heck. It has a profound effect on us. There's also a loss of structure in our lives. This is point two. So every one of us has our own regular routines. And science has shown that routines actually um, provide a framework that keeps us calm. You know, we, we get used to uh, the day-to-day -day, uh, plot, the, the things that we are to do. And Jesus um, has, God's designed us to have routines and structure. So we see it in creation. You know, the seasons, tides going backwards and forwards, our, our years going by. And we also see it in the biblical principles laid out for us. So things like Sabbath, where we're supposed to take a day a week to rest and to worship God. When a crisis happened, we lost our normal routines and structure. 
and that can lead us feeling um, pretty exhausted and stressed. I know I've, I've seen that with me, uh, exhaustion, going to bed earlier, just feeling so tired. If you're in a similar category, then this talk should really help you. And as a result of uh, the stress, we end up having a stress response. This is point three. So we end up um, in a situation where the adrenaline starts pumping and we have a fight, flight or freeze response. Meaning that we either get mean, so we either fight. So you saw that in the supermarkets, people fighting over things like eggs. I mean, eggs, they're so hard to get hold of at the moment. Um, we probably wouldn't see out and out fights now because people have to stay two meters apart, but there is that sense of confrontation still out there. Or there's a, a freeze response, a response where we get paralyzed. And when you're in this state, when you're feeling stressed and the adrenaline's pumping, we cease to be able to think so well. And the cognitive, the thought part of our brains, starts to shut down and we begin to work more on instinct. And then this means that we don't make good decisions. There's also a loss of control. God has designed us to have a level of control. Often we think we're more in control than the reality, than we actually are. But we are meant to have a, an element of control. This is demonstrated by verses uh, or chapters like Genesis 1, where God gives over the plants and the animals for us to nurture, for us to use. However, in a crisis, we lose our control. Our choices have been minimised. We're not able to do what we used to be able to do. We don't know when a crisis is going to end, so we can't plan well. And then the temptation is to go into a state of helplessness where we give up our God-designed self-control. We do things like veg on a sofa, we binge-watch Netflix, and we struggle to be motivated to do much. Finally, we have a loss of purpose. We are designed to achieve things, to make stuff, to do things, to use our hands. But many of us have been affected by the crisis in a way that we are unable to work in the, uh, in the jobs that we were doing. And because we gain a sense of purpose from our job, that really affects us. We lose that purpose. Maybe your role in church has been affected. You're not able to serve on kids' work or do refreshments or serve in however, uh, whatever wonderful way you do serve at the moment. But we don't have to live like this. We're able to put all of these elements back in place. We're able to positively make steps forward and with God's help, we can respond in a better way. So we are to restore connections with others. In church, we are keeping on connecting with one another using mainly Zoom calls and uh, WhatsApp. Zoom is definitely not the same as face-to-face -face emotion. And it's a lot more exhausting trying to do it through a video screen. But it is connection. An emoji on WhatsApp is not the same as a face-to-face, -face, um, real-life emotion. <laughs> But it, again, it is connection. And if you're not in a home group, I'd really encourage you to get in one because a lot of these connections are taking place through that vehicle. Connection is vital for you 
all the time, but particularly in these days. Please make sure you also uh, find ways to connect with friends, with family. I've seen things like people do pub quizzes online or um, dinner, host dinner parties online. Do some of that stuff. Be creative. We're also to put new structures, new routines in place. Let's develop healthy routines that are going to work well for you during this time. We have, as a family, started to develop a morning routine. So I normally have my quiet time at six o'clock in the morning or so, and I'm reading the Bible in a year. Um, so continuing with that. Then we have breakfast as a family after that at seven. And then at 8.15, we started to do a Bible study uh, as a whole family. And it's so great to have some quality time with the kids for them to really engage in that. We pray together briefly. And then we write some diaries. So um, I started journaling again. And as I journal, it's just a bit of time to seek God, to see what he's saying to me, what he's saying, what I feel he's saying about the church. And I just write some of that stuff down. And the kids are writing their coronavirus diaries as well. And then after that, we do a bit of exercise. We do Joe Wicks. And so we're all hoping to be a little bit stronger at the end of it. So that's how our routine starts in a day. Definitely develop a routine for you. Times of the day where you are reading, you're praying, you're uh, reading the Bible. Also, cordon off your news info times. So we don't need to watch the news for four hours a day. It's addictive, isn't it? This live news feed, but I just find it crushes my soul slowly so maybe watch the news for 15 minutes a couple of hours into the day maybe 15 minutes at the end of the day but apart from that just do interesting things live life don't be um, subject to the depressing news that comes uh, through your tv be proactive think about what you'd like to do with your time and fit that into your routine as a church, we are developing a weekly structure and uh, we're going to send out an email in the coming weeks, a weekly email that will lay out our times of corporate prayer, uh, our times where we uh, will connect in different contexts, like reading the Bible and lots of other contexts. So please look out for that and please uh, tap into as much of that resource as you want. There is a challenge, isn't there? because um, our old routines have gone out and then in uh, the in routines have been things like homeschooling, working from home. But let's make sure that this temporary time isn't a time where we develop our own addictions, our own bad habits, but rather we develop healthy, godly routines. And if we can develop these great routines in hard times, it will help us to flourish for the years ahead. That's my prayer for us as a church, that we really flourish as a result of um, seeking God, praying uh, fervently in this season. Our life is normally so full of distractions, isn't it? But this current season, uh, without many of the usual distractions that we have, gives us huge opportunity to focus on developing a healthy, Christ-centred lifestyle. 
And what this will do is these routines will mean that we don't respond to this situation uh, with a, a stress response, but we're able to keep calm and make healthy decisions. We may not be able to control the situation around us, but we are actually able to control our own response to how we live our lives during it. So let's make sure we're using our God-given self-control over these things. And finally, renewed purpose. Our vision is to be a thriving community that reaches Nottingham with the gospel and replicates this across the UK. And this has not changed even though our circumstances have. So we want to create opportunities for you to use your gifting to play your part in building Grace Church. Earlier in the week, you should have received an email from me. Um, and on there, there was a survey. It was a very short survey, so that's good. But one of the aims was to capture how you feel you might be able to serve during this time. So this is uh, because as the crisis continues, and as we begin to see uh, needs arising in our city, the city that we love, we're able to respond quickly with the right people and be a real blessing to their city and, and the community around us. And let's remember that there is a bigger narrative playing out than the coronavirus crisis. And that it's Jesus who's building his kingdom He's, he's building his kingdom and he's doing it through you, through me. He does it through his people. And as a church, we have known God build his kingdom, God to be with us through some pretty challenging times in the past and some also some wonderful times of blessing. I mean, only a few weeks ago, we were celebrating the miraculous way in which God provided for us our, our own building. Unfortunately, it's one we can't use at the moment, but we've got a building. <laughs> um, and he's also provided for us in incredible ways. And we've seen his faithfulness and his provision through things like all of the baptisms over the years. And our social justice ministries growing and thriving and people coming to faith in prisons and a business starting up that really uh, demonstrates and shows uh, the, the gospel, the good news uh, to people beyond our walls. God has wonderful things in store for us in the future. So... Now looking at the essential rhythms and routines of being a follower of Jesus, we're now gonna focus in on prayer and developing a healthy prayer habit. Well, why, why do we want a healthy prayer habit? Because prayer, prayer changes everything. It changes us on the inside. It changes communities around us. It changes cities, changes nations. Miracles happen when we pray. I can testify to that. We feel better when we pray because of, in spite of what our culture says, everything is spiritual. Everything's spiritual. And the spiritual then affects the psychological. It affects uh, what's going on around us. And God transforms things as we pray. Now, prayer can be defined as keeping company with God. And doesn't that sound appealing at the moment? So 
So let's craft our lives in a way that allows us to acknowledge um, that God is with us. Now, in terms of healthy habits, it takes about two weeks to form any sort of habit. So the Joe Witts um, example that I gave earlier of us as a family doing PE together, I'm two weeks into that. So it feels a bit more natural to get in front of the TV and to, to work out. And, you know, I've done it every single day. So if we were in a church contest, I would be expecting rapturous applause and cheering, go Ben. So I'm hearing that in my head. It takes two weeks to form a habit. And it's the same with anything. So it's the same with prayer. And there are many different models of prayer. We outlined some of them in our recent decent, uh, deeper booklets. You know, things like the Jabez prayer, the Emmanuel prayer, different ideas for praying with the kids, concentric circles, how we pray in that way. However, today we are going to be using one of the greatest gifts the Lord has given each and every one of us to help us to pray. We're going to be using it. So what do you think that is? Feel free to shout it out to me. I'm of course talking about the Lord's Prayer. It's 57 words in Greek, which was the language that the New Testament was originally written in. It's a few more in English. And the Lord's Prayer is a masterpiece from the infinite mind of God himself. It's a gift from him. It's the most beautifully balanced, perfect model of prayer that we have. And to help you grow in praying the Lord's Prayer, following on from this message, we're gonna provide every single person with some additional reading material taken from a pastor called Pete Schizero, um, a book he's written called The Daily Office. And the daily office is, uh, is a way of um, building a rhythm and a routine of prayer. And there's this brilliant um, expansion of the Lord's Prayer. So you'll, you'll have that to work through over the coming two weeks and to form a habit around. But let me now read the Lord's Prayer. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 6. And I'm reading from the ESV. It says this. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Instead, pray like this. And this is the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Oh man, oh man. For those of you who've been Christians for a while, or for people who have been in a Christian context, like a Catholic school, that was my upbringing, 
Um, this is so readily recited and it can become overly familiar. It's easy to skip over the words, isn't it, without really taking on what we're praying. So we're going to handle things differently over the next few minutes. And as we focus on each phrase within the Lord's Prayer, ask God to speak to you. And as we meditate on each phrase, write down anything he's specifically saying to you. So if you don't have a notepad, go and grab one now and see how he speaks to you over the next few minutes. When uh, we're left to our own devices, when we pray on our own without any form of structure, what we often do is, in a sense, pray the Lord's Prayer backwards. So we start with our own needs, our own wants, our own desires. However, the Lord's Prayer starts with God, starts with Him in all of His uh, wonderful nature, His sovereign nature. It starts by identifying who He is and then it focuses in on um, our own um, wants and desires because He's interested in that as well. So. The Lord's Prayer starts with the word "ah." Starts with the word "ah," and it's "our Father in heaven" rather than "my Father in heaven," because we are part of a worldwide family. The narrative that we see in the Bible is that God always wanted a people for Himself. He didn't want a bunch of individuals, and so we're part of this family which is so much bigger than uh, the Grace Church family or even the Grace Connection family or the UK family of churches, but it spans continents, it spans cultures, it even spans time. So uh, we're part of a family with everyone who has been a Christian, who's, who's had faith over the last couple of millennia. In your times of praying with God, you might not even get past the word ah. You might not even get beyond the first word. And that's okay. That is good. It's, it's incredible to acknowledge the fact that we are part of a far wider family. <laughs> we will, however, continue. Father in heaven. Father in heaven. How do you think of God? How do you perceive God? Well, the Jews in the day of Jesus, they would not even say the word Yahweh, which was the Hebrew word. It is the Hebrew word for God. And the Jews viewed it as too sacred to, to even uh, verbalise, even say out loud. But then Jesus came along and he started referring to God as Abba, which is the Aramaic. That was the language spoken of the day, the Aramaic word for father. It's what you would call your dad if you were a Jew at the time of Jesus. And the incredible thing is, we can come and approach God in the same way. We can say, Abba, Father. We see a picture of God the Father in the story of the prodigal son. He rushes out to meet his son. He kisses him. Is that the way? You view God greeting you. Dads, no matter how wonderful they are, and some of us have 
had good dads and some of us haven't but no matter how wonderful they are they let you down they're not perfect and often we can see God through the lens of our own earthly dad whether he was there whether he wasn't there but no matter what my earthly dad's like my heavenly dad he will never let me down he will never let me down. His love is always sufficient. He knows what I need. He provides for me. He protects me. He loves and cares for me. He helps me to grow, to thrive. Thank you, Lord. And when we come to faith, when we become Christians, we receive the full rights of the kingdom as his children. And as we come to pray, this is who we're coming to. This is, this is who we're coming to. He's, he's the one who is in charge of everything. It is through, through his love and his power and the, the way that Jesus died on the cross for us that we're able to come into God's presence. Hallowed be your name, it goes on. Hallowed be your name. This is essentially saying that God's name is central, not ours. Hallowed, it means God is set apart. We should be treating him with the highest honour. It's about God's name, his kingdom, his will. And the greatest need of our world, actually, is to know God. That's my prayer at the moment. It's for God's real identity to be known in the world around us through this crisis and for the world to get on their knees and to worship. I find it so helpful to begin my times of prayer by acknowledging the reality that God is sovereign. He is all-powerful. His name is most glorious and spend a bit of time worshipping him. Your kingdom come. What is God's kingdom? Well, in this age, in this current age, it refers to the reign of Christ in our hearts and lives of believers and the reigning presence of Christ in his body, the church. And if we're not careful, Human nature means that we spend a lot of time building our own kingdom rather than God's kingdom. You know, making sure we get the things that we want, that we desire, that we need. But we are called to pray and to work for the continual advancement of God's kingdom on earth. That's what we're tasked to do. So let's submit ourselves to God, making sure that he is reigning in us. Let's also pray for God's kingdom to come on earth. Well, what does this look like? It means people getting saved, healed physically, set free from mental illness, justice for the oppressed. Doesn't that sound incredible? That's what God's kingdom looks like. And if we submit our lives to God, he can redeem even the most difficult, even the toughest situations. So my prayer is, Lord, I open up uh, my heart, every area of my life, to your rule, to your activity. And the reality is that God is at work all the time. 
all the time. Sometimes we see it, sometimes we don't. Why don't you ask God to show you what he is doing in your life right now so you can pray into it? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It requires great courage to do his will, doesn't it? If you don't struggle sometimes with the will of God, you're either a liar or you're not alive. There is a huge cost to following Jesus. Jesus identified the cost himself. John uh, 6 verse 38 says this, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus lived a life submitted to the Father's will. The cost to him was so great that it took him to the cross. And as he faced death, it says in Luke, it says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And our call is tough as well. Matthew 16 says, we too are called to take up our cross. Yet the promise to us as we do so is that we will actually have life to the full. So let's take the example of Jesus and pray that God would help us to live life, live lives in obedience to him. And my question to you, my challenge to you actually, is what have you given up to follow Jesus? We all should have given up some of our desires, some of our things to follow him. It's, it's so much better following him, but it is tough. Give us this day our daily bread. Well, up until fairly recently, I found it quite hard to contextualise um, this verse. You know, we more often than not in the fairly rich West, in a very rich country, we don't live a hand-to-mouth existence. However, this crisis has meant that for the first time, this part of the prayer is something that I have genuinely been able to pray and petition God with. You know, Lord, please let the online food order arrive with the stuff that I want. And he's interested. He provides for us. He provides for our daily needs. And he's the bread of life. He has sufficient resources for us all. We experience his bread actually through prayer. So what's your greatest need today? Take a moment to reflect on that. Pray through your day. Ask God to help you. Ask him to help you to meet your need. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. The word debt here in this translation is used because our sin is a debt owed to God. And this part of the prayer doesn't mean that um, as believers we need to ask daily for justification to, you know, to be made right with God. Since we were justified forever the moment we gave our life to Jesus. And if you haven't given your life to Jesus then do it today. <laughs> do it today. It will be totally transformative. Totally life changing. You know where you're going for in eternity. 
But instead of this not being a, 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 a asking daily for justification, this is an acknowledgement that sin actually gets in the way. It produces a barrier with our relationship with God. And acknowledging our sin and asking for forgiveness actually removes the block that sin is in this relationship. One sin I need to readily acknowledge in my life is the reality that I have not loved God with all of my whole heart, my mind, my soul, my strength, with my all. There are some bits of my life which sometimes end up off limits. Lord, help me to put you first in all that I do. And a true mark of Christianity is actually forgiving others, it's forgiveness. Because forgiving others highlights that we have understood the reality of God forgiving us. So Lord, help me to eagerly forgive others as you have forgiven me. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Here, we are addressing our own battle our own battle with sin and evil. It's a supernatural battle. Sin is crouching at our door, ready to devour. And God, he never directly tempts us, but he sometimes does lead us into situations where we are tempted. And we're to pray to be brought out of those situations. And the best protection for sin and temptation is to turn to God and depend on his direction. Knowing that he is good and his love endures forever, as it says in Psalm 3 verse 6. Thank you, Lord. Things are tough, aren't they, at the moment? But God can use these times where there might be a few less distractions to help draw us to him. And as we pray, we encounter Jesus. So for the next few weeks, my encouragement to you is to pray in the morning, pray the Lord's Prayer. But as we've done just now, dwell on each particular element of it. Feel free to only dwell on one portion at different prayer times. Do the same at lunchtime and do the same in the evening. Let's get a healthy routine in prayer and it will totally transform us as a church family. We'll be emailing in tomorrow a basic but helpful tool that will focus on each element of the Lord's Prayer. Use it for two weeks because it takes two weeks to develop a habit and see how your prayer life, how your relationship with God changes. But let me now finish by praying. Lord Jesus, I thank you for that you gave us the Lord's Prayer. Thank you uh, for the structure, <laughs> for uh, the way it first highlights you in all of your sovereign power, that our strength, that all that we have that's good comes from you. And Lord Jesus, thank you also that you care for our individual needs. You care for each and every one of us and the situation that we're currently in and the stresses and the pressures and the challenge that we're currently facing. And you are here with us in the moment. You're here with us. You're next to us. So Lord, I pray that every single person 
who hears this message knows your power, your presence, your love, your hope, your joy, they encounter you in this coming week as they pray. Help us to go deeper in prayer. Help us to see your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives and in this city. In your mighty name. Amen.